You're listening to The Waffle Podcast with Rob Ferguson and Jared Duggan. On this episode, Jared, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about why our podcast is just like a dome coffee. Uh, you'll find out how to process your emotions from two guys who struggle with that. <laughs> and uh, a life-changing experience you had when shitting on the side of the road. <laughs> Stay tuned. After uh, he's, I don't think he's ever had a conversation with you. He's only seen you on stage telling jokes. Yeah, yeah. And he, he had, had no, no idea. idea that I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> if we try to avoid the shitty emotions, it has this counter effect where it just makes you shitter. Yep. Kind of like when we we're playing golf this morning. <laughs> <laughs> So we're like, ah, oh, there's these trees over here. I want to avoid those trees. And where do we both hit the ball, Jared? Straight in the tree. <laughs> Straight in the tree, Rob. <laughs> I, uh, do you want me to tell, uh, I've written down a couple of notes um, uh, for this podcast. And one of them says... Shelly's kids made me shit on the side of the road. <laughs> Do you want to hear that story? It makes me feel like <laughs> her kids were not in the mood for mucking around. No, Rob, you, we can't wait until we get to the truck stop. You can get out of the car now and shit if you have to. <laughs> and I said, okay. Okay. I was intimidated by a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. <laughs> Please tell the story. So, um, but I will say on the podcast that that was an extraordinarily okay coffee. Yeah, abs- abs- consistency, right? Consistency. You can expect that it's going to be drinkable. Yeah, yeah. Much like our podcast, you might which get for, for the most part might be listenable. You might get one sip where you go, mmm, that's really nice. But most of it was just okay. <laughs> the funniest thing to watch is their kids. They're this, 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 the range of emotion from overjoyed ice cream and emus to shock what the hell just happened to the horror as they process what just happened, <laughs> that they were just attacked by by the, the state emblem. <laughs> and they lost their ice cream. <laughs> hey, Jared. Oh, yeah. I think we discovered this morning that we're not going to be joining the PGA anytime soon. No, no. No, we're not. Actually, we should we should probably just address the first. There's a little bit. There's probably a little bit of background noise because yep. we we're leveled up. We are doing our first outside broadcast um, today on the road. It's uh, as as they call it in the radio world. We're doing an OB because you've got to have acronyms. 
Although like, it's not a three-letter acronym. What, what, they need like an extra word in there. An outside what, broadcast. An, aw- an oh, AOB. Okay. An awesome outside broadcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're at, doing at, I think it's okay to say Canning Vale in Dome. Yeah. No. Dome, dome in Canning Vale. Vale. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is, this is actually very fitting because um, I like Dome mm. because the, the coffee is always drinkable. You know, they're they're very consistent. It's always average, mm-hmm. and it's pretty uh, pretty standard. Yeah, and I think our podcast is the same. Yeah, it's not it's not something that you're going to go and tell all your friends about. <laughs> it's something that clearly nobody's telling all their friends about. Yeah, you'll you, based you, on, based on the stats of people listening. Yeah, <laughs> that have gone down yeah. on our second but, episode. But Mind you, it did, was released on Christmas Eve, so that's true. People are busy, but like. Dome has done all right for itself selling <laughs> coffee that you wouldn't tell your friends about. That's that's a very good point. Uh, the sky's uh, this, the limit. That, uh, exactly. Um, I, th- I I like we're both looking at my laptop after the last time when we shit the bed and like didn't record an hour and a half, and then we did a pretty. I think it was fair to say. No, I think it was still okay. That it was, was a, a garbage. Nah, that was I, a garbage uh, podcast compared nah, to the first one. Nah, I think it was still all right. We called Japan. We talked about <laughs> that was the best. Bit. <laughs> we talked about riding the pony, trying to uh, trying to convince a Japanese man that we're not a fox. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it is one of the highlights of my of my two thousand and nineteen. That was good, man. I uh, I thoroughly uh, I, I really reminisced about doing that. All those years of crank phone calls. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, I think you know, average coffee, average podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. A couple good. of average golfers. Very average. <laughs> we got told off. <laughs> we did. So we went out. We played. We played nine holes this morning, and apparently, three hours to do nine holes <laughs> is, is too many hours. So a guy came out. Um, he must have been. Uh, mate, he looked like maybe he was a greenskeeper. He looked old school, man. Yeah. Like he looked like he he smoked. Like he he came out on a golf buggy, smoking a fag, <laughs> and he had a mo. Yeah, and and he had on a sweater vest. He he looked like a, a World War II um, fighter pilot. Yeah, and he was. But in fairness to him, he was really nice about it. He just said, "Look, guys, you've been you, you you've played seven holes <laughs> in two and a half hours. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to get a move on. There's a big queue behind you." But then we looked behind us, and there was no one there. No. Nah. You know what I thought about? Maybe maybe there was people behind us and they just got pissed off and left. Just left. And this is not like, fuck the last couple of holes. Maybe that's what it is. They they went back into the into the clubhouse asking for, you know, 20% off because they only got 20% of their game maybe. in the allotted two hours. Maybe. We cost the golf course money today. Yeah. Yeah. That sound that sounds more plausible. Yeah. Yeah. But he was nice about it. He was alright. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Average uh, average podcast. Average coffee. Um, I think this is pretty good. Because yeah. I, I think our podcast, like, actually, I got a compliment on New Year's Eve. Did you? Yeah. Um, Before they'd heard the new one? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm assuming one. it would have been after because he came up to me and he goes, he goes, Rob. Um, <laughs> hey, Rob. Muzzy, muzzy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say that because <laughs> clearly I was standing in front of him and I wasn't a fox. <laughs> um, he said, um, he said, uh, uh, he said, you're wrong. I went, what? About what? He goes, people do listen to your podcast. I says, what, are you listening to it? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, um, and it's, it's actually pretty good. He says, um, he, he gave me a, a massive compliment. I'm not sure how to, do, how, how to handle it, actually. 
he said that I'm both funny mm. and insightful, which mm. is dangerous. That is dangerous. I, I don't think that I'm either. I think that you're... <laughs> Careful now. At, at least one of them. <laughs> Flip a coin. Yeah. That's, I'd be insightful, you'd be funny. That's something that, that, that we talked about on the, on the last podcast that we ditched. Didn't, we didn't mention Jimmy, did he? Did we? No, because we did that on the first one that got deleted in the second one. Because he, he gave us another compliment. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Mankin? Oh, Jimmy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's another open micer comedian. And he pisses both you and me off because he's actually really good. Just a natural. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like your son is at golf. Yeah, yep. first game of golf with us. And we should also mention that we are leveling up the podcast big time. We've got a, uh, we've got a live, a live studio, studio audience. audience. <laughs> both of your kids who are, who are currently having a conversation between themselves, not listening at all. Well, my son's got his headphones in, <laughs> listening to his own stuff. And my daughter's now asking him for one because <laughs> she's sick of listening to us already. <laughs> Do you reckon that happens in the podcast? Like when people are driving along and, and they're just like... They, they, they leave it going but also have, you know, mix, mix FM on but they listening to Hamish and Andy over the top. Yeah, probably. Of us. Yeah, they're just being nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're nice guys. We can't turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so live studio. What was, was I talking about? Yeah, Jimmy Mankin, right? Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Um, he gave us a wonderful compliment as well. He gave me especially uh, kind of a backhanded compliment. Yeah. And because Jimmy has only ever seen me do stand-up. That's the only place he's ever seen me. Yeah. The only time we've ever talked. Um, so he's seen me when I've been a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave you a compliment. He did. Uh, about me. And what did he say? He said... Uh he said that he, he he loved the podcast and he had no idea that Rob was funny. <laughs> <laughs> After, the, he's, I don't think he's ever had a conversation with you. He's only seen you on stage telling jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he had, had no, no idea. idea that I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the most horrible thing in the world, man. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel very... Um, I don't know, mixed, mixed emotions about that. I just, I don't want to speak to him ever again. I don't think. No, he's a good guy, Jimmy. Yeah, but he does. He pisses me off, man. He is, he is just naturally funny. Yeah, we got, we got those. Thank you so much. So, our lovely waitress, whose name is Trainee, has just brought, <laughs> brought some coffees. You're going to, that's, yeah, just stick it, stick it there, anywhere, anywhere there. Wherever it'll fit. It's very hot. Take your time. That's all right. Don't be nervous. We're just live on the radio. We, yeah, we, no, we've got food coming as well. Thank you so much. Um, let me see she, if I can... She didn't seem as keen to join our cult as the last waitress who said No, this. she was actually nervous. She was very nervous. She was shaking. Yeah. She nearly spilt a boiling hot black coffee <laughs> all over herself and me. And all over our equipment. Yeah. I think that's... I think because we're, we're hidden in a corner here yeah. behind, um, behind everything, trying to get away from most of the noise. Yeah. Um, but... Um, so you sort of come around the corner and she sees just two guys with headphones on and microphones with a laptop and a mixer on a table just yeah. going, what the fuck is going on yeah. here? <laughs> and it's her first day. <laughs> she's, and she's a trainee. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick, my mate Nick and I, we have a standard joke when we come to Dome and um, it's great, especially when the trainee, you get on the trainees because we both drink flat white. Yep. Uh, we both drink a flat white 
And um, uh, hang on, let, let's swap these coffees around yep. and see if we can. Hang on, if we just if move we them go that around way. and there. Yeah. Oh, can you guys swap them jam. around? Push that one around there. You hold that one. And you move that one around here. We're going to. Yeah, no. Nah. We're all right. We're sliding we're around. Good. We're, good. We we're go. good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, so Nick and I both drink flat whites. Um, so um, so they come to the table with the, 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 the two flat whites and um, they say, two flat whites? And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but which one was mine? <laughs> and they just look confusingly like, oh, they're both the same. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But which one was mine? <laughs> <laughs> and they look even more confused and they go, uh, they're both the same. I said, yeah, but I ordered mine first. So which one was made first? And they look even more confused. Like, Do you want us to go back and check? Like, yeah, please. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and then we laugh and they go, oh, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> then they roll their eyes hard and walk away. Ask you to leave. Yeah. <laughs> please leave our cafe. No, you can't take your flat white with you. Yeah. That reminds me of when I was in... Have I ever tell, told you the story of when I was in New Zealand? No. I did a, um, a Navy course on um, HMNZS Devonport, which is the, uh, the training base in New Zealand, the, the one Navy base that they've got, basically. Yeah. Um, and I was over there for nine weeks doing a course. And in the first week, we walked into the local pub and on the wall was um, a board that said 100 pints of Guinness challenge. No. For one person? For one person. In like a month? There, see, this is how they got around the binge drinking laws. There was no time limit on it. So you just had to drink 100 pints of Guinness in that establishment. Okay. Um, you got a little card and every time you, um, every time you drank a Guinness, they would sign it off. Yeah. Right. And then you're a centurion? Yeah, then you get your name put on the board. There's also a 500 pints of Guinness challenge. We weren't, we weren't getting anywhere near that in nine weeks. Yeah. We did get it in half the time. It took us four and a half weeks to get on the 100 pints of Guinness challenge. No. $800 to get our name written on a board in New eight, Zealand. Eight bucks a pint. Yeah, it was Guinness. good. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty cheap. Yeah. How, what was that, 95 or something like that? When, when was this? This was eight, $8 for a pint of Guinness. 2012. Jeez. Yeah, that was good. Good pub. Great pub. They used to write my name in the foam of the Guinness. Really? Yep. Okay. That was that was the punchline. <laughs> nah. It was, that, that was not a punchline. <laughs> that was a sentence. Yeah, that was a sentence. <laughs> so, yeah. So, now if you ever go to the Patriot in Devonport in New Zealand, um, you'll be able to see... Jay Duggan written on the wall for drinking 800 pints of Guinness. Did, I they, was, did they actually write your surname in the Guinness as well or just your first name? Just my first name. Yeah. When I, um, they know me at, at Doman Armadale as Princess Sparkle. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, being ben a funny guy that I am, uh, now that Jimmy knows, um, I'll, yeah, that's for those two uh, lovely ladies over there. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, for them as well. Yeah, i got to feed them, keep them busy. Thank you so much. Um, uh, she didn't seem anywhere near as nervous as the first one. No, but just I, as interested at being on the podcast. Yeah, um, I think she was. Maybe she did. She kept looking at me in the eyes. Mm. Maybe, maybe she's got a hot for me. She probably does. Yeah, maybe. She's that's, only, that's she's, exactly she's only human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, I um, I always put my name under funny names. Right. Um, uh, uh, you know, like Princess Sparkle or some name that I'm obviously not, you yeah. know, like Susan. Right. I'm yep. clearly not a Susan. Yeah. Yeah. Did I? Oh, Jimmy Little. You know Jimmy Little, the comedian? He used to be on the project. On the project. And he was, you know, with Rove McManus on Rove Live and all that kind of stuff. I, I killed his set once, inadvertently, by accident. So I was on like a conference tour thing when I, I used to do a lot of work with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And um, I was on this like junket training tour thing like that. And it was like a training thing. So through the day, we'd be having these conferences in like a hotel. And they'd have a, uh, the, 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 have a barista there in the morning taking all office. And it, it was IT, right? So it's like all guys, like there's, there's like 200 guys and one woman, right? And <laughs> right. everybody knew the woman's name. You know? yeah, Cause, oh, yeah, of course. Because you know, they're it's, nerdy IT guys. Because they're was nerdy the IT one guys. female. <laughs> exactly, 100%, right? So there's a competition to, <clears throat> to yeah. you know, yeah. get and the one female and she doesn't know any of their names. Yeah. And um, so, so I would, you know, it's early in the morning, IT guys, they've got no social skills whatsoever. So I'm having my own fun and I'd make up different names every morning to, um, to put my coffee under, you know, put it under Batman one morning. Um, and uh, one morning I couldn't think of anything uh, funny enough. So I just said my name was Susan, <laughs> right? right. And, and then I, when they called my coffee out, I just left it for a little bit <laughs> and just, just to see how many times they would call it out. Yeah. And the baristas were laughing their head off because they all knew it was me. And all the guys looking around like, where's the, where's the other woman? <laughs> Who's this Susan? Who's <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I walk up and go, yeah, yeah, I'm Susan. And all the guys thought that was, was hilarious. So anyway, they put on the big, the big dinner at the end of it all. And they had uh, a band and stuff. And they had Jimmy Little doing mm-hmm. a, a little comedy set in between the band. Yep. Now, you and I both know, we, 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 we've been around other comics and heard enough war stories to know that doing a, um, a corporate comedy gig yep. is fucking horrible. Tough. But yeah, because, and, and they call it blood money. Getting paid for, for corporate gigs, you get paid a lot to do them because they are so tough. Right. You, you are trying to push through a crowd that they know each other, they've got all their own in jokes, and everybody's afraid to laugh because they might get judged on laughing that something is that is not appropriate within that organization. Yeah. So, say if you're at a Catholic um, priest convention, yeah, and the comedian makes a pedophile joke, yeah, you're probably not going to laugh at that one. Yeah. Yeah. So your um your sexual assault jokes uh, that you did <laughs> <laughs> the first time you ever did comedy. Probably wouldn't go down well in yeah. that, that situation. Nah, nah, not so much, not so much. So anyway, I've I've got a loud laugh, and so Jimmy obviously picked me out of the crowd, and I thought his jokes weren't landing that good, so he's going, fuck it, I'm going to do some crowd work. Yeah. And he starts riffing with the audience, and he goes, hey, you, what's your name? And so I said, <laughs> Susan. <laughs> and everybody lost their shit. I got the biggest laugh, way bigger than than Jimmy got all night, and um, he he was just he was perplexed after that. You rattled he, him, I, yeah, big time, big time, and I I felt so bad afterwards. This is this, I should mention this is before I was doing comedy as well, yeah. Um, so I didn't know etiquette and things like that, but yeah, I I, 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 I screwed him over big time, poor guy. And as as far as Jimmy Mackin is concerned, you've never been that funny again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, poor uh, poor Jimmy Little, mate. He left straight after that gig. He couldn't get out of there quick enough, mate. He was he collected his money. He was having a plane, he was having a rough home. night. So I've got a photo with him. I took a selfie with him after uh, after that gig, and I went up to him and goes, "Dude, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that funny." <laughs> <laughs> I says, you're a good bloke, man. I really appreciate you coming down. I'm, uh, you're really funny. I'm a big fan, you know. What did he Diddle. say? Uh, he goes, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, can I get yeah. a selfie? He goes, no. He, well, he, uh, he paused. <laughs> no, man, I've got to play the game. He, he, paused, he paused for a minute. He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's take a selfie. <laughs> and I think you can see it in his face a little bit. It's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> It's that little bit of uh, this, this guy fucked me over. I won't have nothing to do with you, but I need to need to not come across as an asshole because you guys are paying me a lot of money, and I don't know who you are. You could be the the, the CEO's could son, be the CEO himself. <laughs> yeah, I love those gigs too because um, I just started learning to play guitar as well, and because they're corporate gigs, I just go up and ask the band, say, hey. Can I borrow your guitar and do a song? And they'd be like, "Fuck yeah, you guys are paying us all money. If we can have a beer and you want to do a song, absolutely." So yeah, it was a regular thing. Every time we had a corporate gig, I'd get up and sing a song. That's badly. One <laughs> 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 one of them actually got uh, the two um, the two event organizer females uh, to come up and sing "I Will Survive" with me. It was great. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, good good stuff. Um, how was your Christmas, man? It's Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that. We haven't seen each other for, for two weeks. No, and we've both had a little bit of a rough time too because, as it turned out, I didn't realise this until we spoke on the phone the other day, that you're only working casual at the moment mm-hmm. and I'm a contractor, mm-hmm. which means that at the most expensive time of the year, mm-hmm. uh, we have the least amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, That's and partly due to me not, um, uh, you know, well, both of us, because we get paid more being casual and contractors, you know, because you get paid for, you know, your, your sick leave and your holidays that you don't get. Yeah. Um, but you get uh, a supplement for it. Um, I think it just proves that we're just really shit at managing our money. Oh, horrendous. That's that's my New Year's resolution. I um, Same. On the plane, I, uh, I Is this read- why you asked me about the barefoot investor? I'm all about the barefoot investor. Is that the, what you read on the plane? No, I read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Have you heard of that? No. Oh man, I have to give it to you. It's um it's it's nuts. It's so good. It's it's written um it's basically been translated from Babylon, which is now Iraq. Yeah. I think. Um they archaeologists undug these tablets, right? from yeah. the dirt and it was basically a recording of this guy who had been through this journey about you know how to manage his money and yeah. so it's written as a story about this guy in ancient Babylon and it's got all little little bullet points of wisdom all through it so it's kind of like a like a biography but like a summary of like his it's, little lessons learnt through his experiences it's, it's more a, a a series of stories of short stories yeah uh, and yeah, kind of like a bio, like a record of of what he went through, and you know how he turned from being a someone who owed, you know, all of his friends different amounts of silver and copper. Yeah, uh, and he turned it around, paid them all back. They all love him, and now he's got money. Wow, hmm. but that's that's the thing that I never learnt growing up because mm-hmm. of the the dynamic that my family was was in was how to how to fail and how to learn from your failure. 
You know, yep. seeing failure as a good thing, seeing failure as a positive thing. You know, I, I try to teach the same kind of thing to my kids. You know, they um, they have setbacks, they have shit go wrong, and I try to show them that, hey, look, don't let this. Because growing up for me, when something failed, it was it was put on me like I'm an idiot, like I'm defective in some way. It was this toxic shame to it yep. that that. Um, how could I have been so stupid? What is wrong with you? It made me feel like there's something wrong with me. But failure really is a good thing. Like you go, oh, well, that didn't fucking work. Um, how can I do that better? And yeah. you sort of look at it not as if there's something effective of you, but as an opportunity to learn and grow, grow, grow from. Sure. So, um, yeah, that sounds exactly what that kind of book is. Like he, he was in a bad place and he fucked up and he dug himself out of, he dug yeah. himself out of that hole. And, and a, a, a big point of it is, um, is taking advice from people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, like, what did he... he um, a big part of it is about him making investments, smart investments, yeah. and about how he gave his money to um, to people who didn't know about investing, and it all got lost. Yeah. So he then approached a well, a, a money lender, and the money lender sat him down and taught him how to how to manage his money. See, I think it's the same with the relationships, right? Right. <clears throat> uh, relationships are an investment. They're an investment of your time. They're an investment of your energy. They're an investment of your resources. You, you are investing in someone. I, unfortunately, and I'm not saying anything bad about my ex-wife here, but take this with the with the tone of what we're talking about. Your Honour. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still dealing with family court. Um, but I made a bad investment, mm. and that was partly my fault. And, and partly my partner's fault. Um, we both had our issues and stuff like that. But definitely it falls on me because I was the one that made that investment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. I was just trying to do what everyone does, get married, have kids, follow the, follow the program. And I've had to learn from people that have... And it's kind of weird. Like the, the people that you would think would be the people to learn how to do relationships from is someone that's been married... One person their whole life. Yeah. But no. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. There's there's a, a book in particular that I really love called um, Radical Honesty. Mm. Um, and that book was one of the hardest books I think I've ever read. It's like it punched me in the kidneys and then kicked me in the nuts. And it, this guy was basically talking about being honest, brutally honest, because... Uh, at your core, we don't say things, especially with our with our intimate partners, share things because we're afraid we'll offend them, we're afraid we'll lose them. But sometimes that's what we need to do. And this guy's had lots of, he's been married several times, had lots of relationships, and he actually has the counter argument and says, well, you should trust me because I've been through this shit lots of times. Right. I, I know what doesn't work. Yeah. And I know what's worth leaving from. Actually, that's a good little quote from Bill Burr. Her, that, oh, that um, uh, what's his what's the young the school shooter guy comedian what's his name <laughs> oh Will Will Regan Will Regan he um, he posted it on his um, uh, uh, um, caveat he's not a school shooter <laughs> he he tells jokes about being about looking he like he's a like school shooter, shooter. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, to my knowledge he's never shot up a school <laughs> he posted a he, kindergarten maybe but never a school <laughs> no he posted a quote from Bill Burr um, I'm trying to find it real quickly. I can't find it. But um, 
the, the, the quote from Bill Burr is something along the lines of, you kind of look at someone who lives on their futon going, oh, shit, they fucked up their life. Um, but you don't, you, you, that's, not, that's not really fucking up your life. You're really fucking up your life when you're in a, mar- in a marriage that's shit. Um, you're, not doing, you're not living your life to the fullest. You feel restricted. You're too scared to change anything. You're too scared to not to do anything because you just want to remain in safety. And you'd rather be the guy on the futon. Yeah. You know? So, um, two things on, on that. Um, I, I read a quote the other day um, that said, everything will pass. Yeah. If you're still shit, feeling shitty about it, it just hasn't passed yet. Yes. Yeah. Um, there, there's an excellent book. Oh, man, we're right on the book bandwagon today, aren't oh. we? There's an excellent book called... Um, uh, it is called... David R. Hawkins. I, I can only think of one of his books called Power Versus Force, but that, that's not it. He's got another book called something else. Um, uh, um, it's called something else. Anyway, he has this book, and it's about processing your emotions, like staying. Most people, what they do is no one likes to feel that pain. No one likes to feel uncomfortable. No one likes to feel um, insecure. No one likes to feel like they're in a threat situation. Yep. So we avoid it. And especially past traumas and stuff that we've never dealt with. We've had shitty things in our, in our, in our um, childhood or our, our, our shitty relationships and stuff like that. What we do is we don't deal with it and we'll self-medicate by doing things that will give us instant gratification like overeating, mm-hmm. like drinking, like drugs, like any of that kind of stuff. Uh, some people can even use exercise Yep. as an escape to not deal with their feelings. But the way to actually deal with your feelings is to sit with it. Let yep. it be uncomfortable. Enjoy that shitty feeling. Yep. And it's only then that it, uh, we process it and we release it. Mm. If we try to avoid the shitty emotions, it has this counter effect where it just makes you shitter. Yep. Kind of like when we were playing golf this morning. <laughs> <laughs> So we're like, ah, there's these trees over here. I want to avoid those trees. And where do we both hit the ball, Jared? Straight in the tree. (laughs) Straight in the tree, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, man. There's a life lesson in that, man. (laughs) Stay with the the shitty emotion. Just embrace that the tree is there. Be one with the tree. And in doing that, we'll avoid the tree. Even better, try and hit the tree. That's embrace the tree. You know what? We should we should definitely play again in a couple of weeks. Yep. And let's go in with there with that. let's go and play another round with that mindset of right, I'm let's, going. let's play the shittest game of golf we possibly can. Yep. Let's try to hit the tree. Let's try to fucking just yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling me you've never you've never hit a par. No. Nah, never. Never I, hit par on a golf course. Never. I think if we go out with the intention not to hit pars. <laughs> Just we'll end up we'll end up bloody nine under. <laughs> uh, you nearly made me spit coffee everywhere then. <laughs> um, so the second thing um, that you, you mentioned Bill Burr before, he yeah. was talking to this uh, this lady comedian, and they were talking about how they w- she went through a a, a a bunch of shitty relationships, 
where she was doing all the work. She was the one emotionally invested. Um, she was doing all the caring. Yeah. Um, but was not getting anything back. Yeah. Right. So, so it was it was like her needs weren't weren't important. Yeah. Which I think we can both relate to. Yeah. Bi- Bill Burr. Um, I found that quote. Do you want to hear it? Um, yep. It says, realize, um, realize that sleeping, sleeping on a futon when you're 30 is not the worst thing. You know what's wrong? Sleeping in the king bed next to your wife that's not really in love with, the, with you, but for some reason you're married and you've got a couple of kids and you've got a job you hate. You'll be lying there fantasizing about sleeping on a futon. That's the, that's, sorry, there's no risk when you go after a dream. There's a tremendous amount to risk in playing it safe. And I was my my God, that is the most profound quote, quote I think I've ever heard. Yep, yeah. And that book I that book I mentioned too, that is called it's Letting Go by David R. Hawkins. Letting go, letting letting go, letting go. Fantastic, highly recommended. So he was talking to this lady who, um, you know, she'd been in a, a somewhat emotionally abusive relationship where her her needs didn't matter. Yeah, um, it was all about it was all about him. And Bill Burr said um, basically, look, it's. It's honourable to be like that. Like yep. it's honourable to care about your partner and want to contribute and want to make their life easier. The problem is when you're like that and you don't speak up for your needs, you end up with the pe- the people that no one else will put up with. Yeah, yeah. There, it's it's it's. I think because we've we've had a chat about our our, our experiences growing up and we we've had some pretty funny experiences with the way our, our parents were with us and your stepdad and your mom and we, we figured yep. some stuff out around that go ah oh, that's why I react funny to that that's why I do that and what I definitely have is a little bit of people pleaser syndrome yeah where yeah big so, time yeah so um, things like I feel responsible for other people's emotions so I grew, I grew up in a, in a household that was very emotionally volatile my dad was a Vietnam vet my mum was the daughter of a, of, a, of a war veteran and an alcoholic and her mum was a Nazi um, not, not a full on Nazi more of a Nazi sympathiser kind of thing right. she, she did have swastika jewellery and stuff like that not the way that leftists call everyone a Nazi she was actually she actually, a German she was actually a bit racist right yeah <laughs> Which is just like she hated Asian people, but she looked a bit Asian herself. It was like <laughs> the weirdest thing. Yeah, funny old grandma. Um, so growing up with that, I f- feel that in order to protect myself, I need to look. I needed to look after my parents' emotions, and I need to always a hundred percent be in a, in tune with whatever emotional state my parents were in, so that I could then be a chameleon and adjust myself to that to make sure that. I could counteract if they were in a bad mood. I could like be extra good and try to make them happy if they're in a good mood. I could, you know, um, that was a bit weird for me. So I'd play up and be a bit shit to make them shittier at me. This weird subconscious thing. I didn't do it consciously. It was subconscious. And I still play that same kind of pattern now mm-hmm. where um, I am more emotionally in tune to people. And if I'm not, I can look at someone, I, I can feel their feelings. I'm very empathetic. Yep. And I'm doing that out of a survival thing. But what I've had to learn now is that, you know what? They're your emotions. Yeah. They're not mine. Yep. You are responsible for your emotions. Yep. I am responsible for my emotions. It's up to me to process my grief and my bad feelings and and all those kind of things. It's up to you to deal with whatever the fuck's going on there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And um, so 
it's it, and it's amazingly hard to do to see mm. someone and go, you know what? That's your problem. I don't want to fix it for you. I'm gonna leave you with that. Yeah, I I can't even fathom not trying to fix it. Really? Yeah. Like the the if someone's angry at me, uh, I, I'm exactly the same. Trying to work it, but um, my mother was was very much the same. Um, you know, they were they were me and uh, mum and my stepdad were constantly fighting. Um, and the the message mum always said said to us was, um, you know, if I'm if I'm being like that, you just have to leave me alone. And it make, saying things like that, the parents don't realise it at the time, but it actually makes the kid feel mm-hmm. like it's their fault. It's, yeah, or, or, I'm resp- or I'm somehow in control of how she is feeling. So yeah. if I leave her alone, she'll be okay. Yeah, and it makes you feel like, I, I yeah, so, so like mum will be better off if I'm not around. I'm defective yeah. in some way that I piss my mum off. Absolutely. How, how do I fix her? Yeah, yeah. Instead yep. of her taking responsibility for her emotions, yep. it was all you need to do to make me better is go away. Yeah. But at the same time, my mum was super, super affectionate. Super affectionate. Oh, mate, that's some severe push-pull going on there. Yeah. That's going to really make you have shitty relationships. Yep. And it did. And it did. <laughs> Same. Here I am. Same. Yep. Same. Yep. Yep. Um, and this is the kind of thing. Like I can, I can see... The way that my kids are, um, my teenage kids, um, my daughter's 14, my son's 16. So they're starting to date. They're starting to... And I can see the same patterns on there. And I'm so glad that I've gone through the pain of sitting with those uncomfortable emotions and stuff now. Because I can then say to them, hey, look, I can see what you're doing. This is what's happening. And they go, oh, yeah, shit, I I do do that. like, yeah, 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 you do. Mm. You don't... It doesn't have to be that way. Yep. It's scarier to not do that because it's the unknown. Like Bill Burr just said, it's that, that risk of not knowing. Um, but um, pushing through that uncomfortable feeling and coming out the other side is so much fun, so much joy, so much happiness on the other side of pushing through those uncomfortable feelings. Like first time you did stand up, right? Yeah. <laughs> were you you were on in the were you on the first half? I was the, the last one on in the first half. Last one, the first half. Um, how much were you shitting your pants before you got on stage? Were we've you? Ac- we've actually there's a recording of it, um, and Matt Stora, who was the guy who took our um, comedy course, he he forgot my name. <laughs> yeah. Great way. Great so, way to cut just before you're about to come on stage yeah. and do that. Yeah. It was actually the best thing that could have happened because it gave me a, a, a quick joke to make on stage to get that first laugh and then I was away. And yeah, it wasn't a really good joke though. It wasn't. No. <laughs> it wasn't a great joke at all. Um, but but, but if it, you know, it made, so, you, made you push through that nervousness, right? Well, the, Ma- the thing is, so he, he, he came in, asked who was on next and then went back on stage and went, Jared Duggan. Yeah. But if you, if you watch the video, you'll notice for two or three seconds, the door at the back of the stage, which you go through at Lazy Susan's to, to you know, face the crowd. Yeah. For two or three seconds, that door didn't open. Because I was on the other side of it with my hand on the door handle, shaking like a bloody Parkinson's patient. There you go. You yeah. know, just trying to find the willpower to open the bloody door. <laughs> <laughs> and once you got off stage... How did you feel? Uh, I, I've I've never felt anything like it. 
Yeah. Like, it was like my feet weren't touching the floor. I was floating. Yeah. Yeah. It was the craziest thing ever. Yeah. So I had I had a very similar experience. I went on after a guy called Trick. <laughs> we were just talking <laughs> about him this morning. Um, and Trick did a bunch of pedophile rape jokes. Um, First time he's ever told comedy on stage and he thought, you know what? I'm going to knock rape and pedophilia out of the park here. <laughs> oh, my God. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. He got heckled um, by some... And 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 uh, I don't want to piss anyone off, but she was clearly... She was a Karen. Oh, she was Karen for sure. Yeah, she was a Karen. She was, you know, had the can I speak to your manager haircut. And um, she is like... Instead of just not laughing, cause, which is, you know, if, you, if you're at a comedy gig and you don't find the, the guy's stuff funny, don't laugh. He will get the message loud and clear. Don't fucking heckle him and like the poor guy, you know, cry himself to sleep and, you know. I mean, as, like, if he's a seasoned comic, like, maybe. Nah. But, like, it's never <laughs> acceptable to heckle, but maybe. If it's... If it's a graduation show for a comedy course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely just shut the fuck up and don't laugh if you don't think it's funny. But he, he was. Anyway, she, the Karen yelled out and she goes, that's not funny. And just absolutely ruined him. You can see his heart break in two yeah. uh, on stage. And uh, it was just brutal to watch. I followed that. Um, it, was like, it was like walking into an ice cave. It there was, was it there was, was stalactites forming on the roof when you walked in there, and and just after he did his his um, his pedophile and rape jokes, I get on stage and say, I want to tell you about the story about the first time I ever got a sexual harassment warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I broke the tension by saying, Oh, don't worry, it's not going to be anything like tricks. <laughs> and. and- the ice just shattered. Like yeah. that was probably the. It, was, it wasn't the biggest laugh you got, but it yeah. was just like a just an um, the, like the 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 atmosphere in the room just completely changed when you just went. Won't be as bad as tricks. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> because that I think that uh, there's that's that's the thing with with comedy, right? Um, it's it's about creating that tension, um, dealing with uncomfortable stuff, and I think it's kind of kind of like healing and releasing. I think that's that's kind of what draws me to comedy. Because it's joking about stuff that you shouldn't really joke about, you know? And showing that, you know what? Everything's actually all right. It, shit isn't that bad. Everything's okay. The sun's, the sun's still going to come up tomorrow morning. Everything, it, it will pass. Everything will be okay. Um, addressing that. And because I addressed the, t- the tension, everyone laughed. Everyone knew it was going to be okay. And everyone had a great time. And same thing, before I got on stage, we were, we were all huddled around me and the other comics that were, were going over our notes. And I'm looking over my notes and my jokes going, oh my God, none of this shit's funny. Why the fuck am I doing this? And I'm like, oh man, it's too late. I'm just going to have to embrace it and fail and fall on my face and, you know, just accept what it is. And I look up and, and there's six other guys standing in a semicircle around me, all looking down at their notes going, shaking their head going, oh man, none of this shit's funny. Why am I here? <laughs> Everyone was thinking the same thing. Yet when we all got off stage, we got a, we had a big group selfie, and everyone was high fiving each other, and we made it through, and we th- we we got through that enjoyment by pushing through the uncomfortable feeling. I think the difference between you and all the rest of our classmates, and and probably you and me versus the rest of our classmates, is we actually got a few laughs. laughs. 
you sound like such an arrogant <laughs> prick right now. It's okay. Ty, no Ty, I no one Ty, listens to this podcast. Tyrone did the best. Tyrone and, was amazing. And Joe he Mooney. still is amazing. And Joe Mooney. Well, he was the be- He was uh, he top of the class. He, he was awful on stage. He did. Did he actually rock up for the final? He did. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. And bombed. Man, and he told the- he told that he told the story about watching porn in the bar, which is funny. Like yeah. we were in stitches during the class, and yeah. it was just he it's- just hadn't practiced it. Yeah. And it was it was blatantly obvious when he was up there. It was sort of he got giggly and just yeah. the nerves overwhelmed him. Which yeah. Joe had never been nervous at all during the classes. And, and that's so funny because he, I, I reckon he, hands down he was one of the funniest in the class for Easy. sure. I haven't seen him anywhere. No. Yeah, what the fuck? No, I haven't seen him. Yeah, disappeared. I think. I've got to say I've just finished my coffee. Yep. That was probably the most okay coffee I've ever had. Pretty much like this podcast. Yep. I'm 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 not going to tell any of my friends how okay that coffee was, but I will say on the podcast that that was an, an extraordinarily okay coffee. Yeah, abs- abs- consistency, right? Consistency. You can expect that it's going to be drinkable. Yeah, yeah. Much like our podcast, you might which get for, for the most part might be listenable. You might get one sip where you go, "Hmm, that's really nice," but most of it was just okay. <laughs> So, um, I, I had a little get up, getaway on my holidays. Oh, did you? Um, Shelly, oh, whoops, said her name again. Whoops. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm Sorry, fine. Shelly, it won't happen again. <laughs> so, I, I, um, I, do you want me to tell, I've written down a couple of notes um, uh, for this podcast, and one of them says, Shelly's kids made me shit on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear that story? It makes me feel like, <laughs> like, like her kids were not were not in the mood for mucking around. No, Rob, you we can't wait until we get to the truck stop. You can get out of the car now and shit if you have to. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. I was intimidated by a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. <laughs> Please tell the story. So. Um, as as you know, like things have been pretty rough over the last few years. There was a year that I didn't see my kids at all. Even bef- even before that, when um, my wife and I were separated, living at, living in the same house, I was living in the back room. Um, she had the master bedroom. Um, I wasn't. It, she made it very difficult for me to see the kids. I want to be careful how I, how I phrase this. Um, but the, uh, the relationship was obviously tense. We weren't talking to each other. And I wasn't able to do any dad family things with the kids. And then there was a year I didn't see my kids at all. Um, then I've had to progressively work up from doing two-hour supervised visits once a fortnight. So that's really intimidating. Sitting in a room, having someone take notes uh, while you get to see your kids for the first time in a year for two hours. Um, that is fucked. Um, very fucking hard to take. So I did that for a year. Then we went to day visits. So I picked the kids up at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, drop them back at 4 o'clock in the afternoon um, to what I have now, which is... Um, Letting them 20 not f- listen to a podcast um, in person. <laughs> yes. Um, well, well, at the moment, you know, the, the court arrangement is that I have my kids from 4 p.m. Friday to 4 p.m. Saturday once a fortnight. 
uh, which is still pretty hard, man. Like it's you, not ca- enough. you can't be a dad no. in twenty four hours. You know, no. once a fortnight, twenty four hours, once a fortnight. No, nah. um, but my eldest two, they, 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 they come and see me. They just of their own thing. They, they, they leave their mum's house and they, they come and see me and spend time with me. Um, because as much as much as they're just sitting there pleasantly ignoring us, they they just still enjoy um, our company, uh, my company and stuff. So um, so it's good. So it's been hard. So for me to go away and and it was just Shelley and her family were, were had a had a, a, a like a holiday house down in um, down in Bustleton. Um, they had it for a week. I had the weekend free. So I said, oh, and she said, you want to come for the weekend? You know. I said, yeah, that'd be great. So I went down there, drove down there on Saturday after I dropped my kids back. Um, stayed there Saturday night, came back Sunday night. Um, and on the Sunday, I had such a lovely time. We went out to, did the, did all the busso things. We went to Simo's Ice Cream. You ever been to Simo's Ice Cream? Oh, mate, get around it. Simo's Ice Cream, not the one by the jetty. There's one in like Dunsborough. Um, and they've got like, uh, they've got like a little playground and stuff there, a little grass area. They've got mini golf. But in the far fence, they've got like sheep and there's an emu in there. And the emu's fantastic. This is the best thing about going to Simo's. The emu loves ice cream. Oh, I've got a story. And, and little kids, little kid, little kids don't realise how much the emu likes ice cream. So they <laughs> right. w- walk up to the fence with an ice cream in their hand to see the emu. And the, and the fence is like those big square kind of fences. So it can get its neck straight through. All right. And so the kids walk up and go, oh, emu, oh, pretty, pretty, with the ice cream in their hand. And the emu goes, fuck yeah, ice cream. And just and just snatch that ice cream whole out of their hand and just about take their whole hand with it. And then you see the kids, the funniest thing to watch is their kids. They, this, 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 um, the range of emotion from overjoyed ice cream and emus to shock what the hell just happened to the horror as they process what just happened, that they were just attacked by by the, the state emblem. <laughs> and they lost their ice cream. <laughs> it's magic. It's the best thing in the world to watch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so we sat there and watched, uh, watched the emu steal kids' ice creams off them for a while. Uh, and that was fun. And we did, you know, Margaret River Chocolate Factory, all that kind of stuff. And I was driving home after all that, and I got really sad. I was like, you know, it's been fucked. Uh, I can't, that I can't have those kind of family moments with my kids. I, in four, five years, I've not been able to take my kids away for a weekend down south. That's really hard. So I was feeling really shit uh, on the way home. So I did not want to feel shit. So I tried to ignore my emotions and I did my unhealthy habit of binge eating. So I went to Macca's and got a grand, uh, grand Big Mac, oh. and and in a medium meal, and because uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to get a large. But then I can't remember if I got. I'm not that depressed. <laughs> but then, but the thing is, then I can't remember. Sort of having a, like you know how you get blackout drunk. Uh, yeah. I get blackout McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't remember if I had six nuggets, twelve nuggets. Or if I went for the good deal and got the twenty four for nine ninety nine. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember. Did what I do remember is I was an hour out from home driving up that stretch of road along the coast where there's nothing and it's pitch black and I'm an hour out of home and there is no toilets, there is no lights, there is nothing and the McDonald's suddenly didn't agree with me. 
and I needed to go. And it was this fight was like, nah, pinch it together, Rob. You can make it. And I was like, an hour? Yeah, nah. 15 minutes I held on. <laughs> I was like, nah, it's happening. Um, uh, it's either I shit on the side of the road or I'm going to shit in my car seat. <laughs> so I, I, opted, I opted for the, uh, for the first option. Um, I've never shit anywhere outside of a toilet. Um, but this actually turned into one of the most epiphanating things I've ever done. I actually became less racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm really funny with poo and stuff like that. I used to take my shirt off when I used to go to the toilet because I didn't want my shirt to smell like poo. So I, <laughs> right. I would sit on the toilet. That's how funny I am. That, so that I, explains why you were so horrified when you went to the toilet at my house that one time. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, how fucking disgusting is this? It's like I almost went and peed in your shower. Then I looked in your shower and there's all fucking <laughs> mold and stuff. And I was like, oh man, I'm just going to pee in the sink. And there's like hair and like grime. And I was like, uh, I'm just going to pee in a dirty alley. <laughs> so I pulled over on the side of the road and I opened both the car doors on the side so I could sit in between the car doors and no cars would see me coming up the coming up the road and um, I didn't want to I thought as I squatted down I pulled my pants down I squatted down I thought there's a highly possible there's a high possibility that um, there's a high possibility that I will um, uh, that I will shit on my pants I was like nah I don't I can't do that. So I took my pants off and my jocks off. So I'm standing on the side of the road <laughs> in just my t-shirt and my shoes. And even then I'm like, oh man, I'm going to shit on my shoes, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking my shoes off. So I held onto the underside of the car and like leant back. So t- to lean back, so squatting down, leaning back, holding on the underside of my car to do a poo. And normally this process of doing a poo takes a while and I couldn't quite reach my phone so I just pulled out the service manual for my car. I thought, oh, that's some nice reading material while I do a poo on the side of the road. <laughs> Find out that my timing belt needs to be changed. <laughs> so, oh. so I'm sitting there, um, and but I didn't need it. I didn't need it because, dude, two seconds. It just falls out. It was, it was all out of me. And I even sat there for a minute like shocked going, is that all of it? Yep. And it was. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And, and I, I, you know when you go to a shopping centre and you go on the, the toilet seat and you see like people's footmarks on the toilet seat and you think, oh, my God, <laughs> no. who the fuck stands on the toilet, mate? What kind of animal does that? And even when you go to, to like really touristy areas, they have the little sign in the toilet that says, yeah, oh, yeah. Sit, on the, sit on the toilet, you knobhead. Yeah. Don't stand on it, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Right? I, I suddenly was like, had this epiphany of like, oh my God, when we sit on the toilet, we have to take half an hour to do a shit. When if you squat, it's three seconds and it's all over and you're done and you hardly need to wipe. It's amazing. It's the best thing in the world. So I had this, while I'm sitting there on the side of the road with no pants on, squatting down going, was that it? I just had this reverse thing of like, oh my God, all these people from the other countries where they do squat poos must come over see these signs and go fucking Australians these guys are idiots <laughs> <laughs> must take them fucking ages 
first thing to say, go, fuck that, I'm squatting on this stuff. What a waste of good porcelain. <laughs> I just needed to dig a hole. <laughs> and I became less racist because of Shelley's kids. <laughs> oh, so there you go. There you go. So, yeah. what have I written there, Rob? Pino? Pino. Pino. In 2011, so you were talking about the emu who eats ice cream? Yeah. In 2011, me and my brothers did a wine tour of um, the northeast coast of, of Tasmania, north of Launceston. Yeah. And we were going from winery to winery, um, tasting all these different wines. We got talking to one of the winemakers and, um, and he was like, oh, have you been up to Goatee Hill Winery yet? And we were like, oh, nah, not yet. Um, why is that? Should we? He was like, yeah, man, you have to go to Goatee Hill Winery. They've got a pig that will sit for an apple. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's 100% worth waiting around for. 100%. So we got in the car and, and made our way to go. Oh, I remember it was called Goatee Hill Winery because we were like, these guys have got a pig that will sit for an apple. Yeah. And they named their winery after a goat. They've done it wrong. Yeah. So, <laughs> what should they have called it? Piggy Hill Winery. <laughs> Sit, this, this little, sitting this pig little, winery. Sitting pig. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know about Rockingham and the pub there called Swinging Pig? Yeah. Did, how long did it take you to figure out Rockingham it, a Swinging long time. Pig? I, I, reckon, I reckon eight years. And my, my brother worked there for... For six of them, I, I, I figured it out when I was thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in WA my whole life, so we should probably explain. There's probably people listening. That, there's probably person listening to the podcast going, "Swinging pig, rocking ham." I don't get it. Swinging is the same rocking. as rocking. Ham, ham is the same as pig. Pig, yeah. Swinging pig, rocking ham. So yeah. So sure sitting, enough, we, sitting pig winery. Sit, so we rock up to sitting pig winery, and sure enough. Out the front, there's this massive pig, right? Massive. There's a, it's huge. It's yeah, proper okay. sow, you know. And next to its next to its pen is a crate full of apples. <laughs> <laughs> they know. They know. This, this pig's famous. Yeah. Um, and the pig's name was Pino. Pino, the sitting pig. Nice. Uh, and sure enough, we grabbed an apple out of the. Uh, Grabbed an apple out of the crate, went over to the fence, went, sit, Pino, and he plonked his ass on the ground, <laughs> and we lost our minds. <laughs> We'd been to four wineries before that. We were bloody half drunk uh, on sample uh, wine. Yeah. And That's it, it was the funniest thing in the world. I, I, I sincerely, this was 2011, so eight years ago. Yeah. I sincerely hope that pig's still alive, sitting for, <laughs> sitting for apples today. How do you? T- how would you teach a pig to do that? It's the same as a dog. Pigs are smarter <laughs> than dogs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Pigs are really intelligent. I suppose people do have pigs as pets, hey? But they use them for um, truffle hunting. Truffle you know hunting. This? You know truffles, the mushroom. Yeah, the really expensive pigs mushroom. Can smell them out. They use pigs to find truffles. Really? Yep. I've never heard of that before in my life. That's a thing. Um. I had some other stuff written down, but you know what? It's not funny. Oh, uh-huh. right. But I, one thing that was interesting, um, 
was you sent me a little Snapchat during the week. You just got back from Tasmania. <laughs> yep. And you had a little gift waiting for you. I did. So the, the, the lass that you broke up with. Yep. Who I'm not allowed to mention her name on the podcast. <laughs> isn't, she, isn't she not talking to you at all? Uh, well, I sent her a message thanking her for the gift and we exchanged small talk. Um, right. So it's okay. All right. Nice. Um, well, that's good that you're being civil. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a very amicable breakup until the release of the first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Learning through your failures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm clearly not doing that yet. No? No. I keep talking about my girlfriend. Yep. She, um, things are going really well between us. And she says, you know, what do you think will be the end of it? And I says, I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I think we might actually be all right. She goes, I think it's going to be a podcaster. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, here I am still doing here it. Here you are. Yeah. Right. The, living, the living ultimatum life. hasn't been firm yet because living you're still doing the podcast. The edge. Living life on the edge. <laughs> she did say I could tell the, uh, the pooping story, though. Oh, I, that's good. I ran it past her. Yeah. She said that was all right. Your life-changing poo. <laughs> There's something you know how McDonald's have the new, um, new improved burgers, the best burgers they've ever done. There, the they're, Grand Big Mac. They're juicier and they're they're something or other. Yep. Oh, there is something in them that just your body just doesn't agree with. They go straight through you like like a hot Indian curry. Um, as evidenced by myself on the friggin' two yeah, and a half hour I, drive back from Bustleton. I don't think it was the twenty four nugs that you had. It was definitely the Grand Big Mac. Really, I had a food blackout, man. I really don't know how many nuggets I bought. Yeah. I don't think it was six. Right. But oh. I can't remember eating 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, man. I've never had a food blackout before. <laughs> yeah. Did you... um? You obviously had a, yeah, your food blackout. You didn't wake up on a golf course like your daughter did this morning, oh, did you? mate. It's 100% <laughs> training her to be a white girl, hey. <laughs> so we're playing golf and she's just bored out of her mind and goes to sleep in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> While we're trying to work out which end of the golf club is supposed to hit the ball. <laughs> and it really looked like, you know, because it's like 6.30 in the morning. There's this white girl. Passed out on the golf course. It looked like like some some college girl had a big night <laughs> yeah. and just fell asleep. <laughs> You're soaking wet from the sprinklers on the golf course. The, the best thing about that um, was on the second <laughs> hole. On the second hole, the people behind us had caught up to us already, <laughs> and we decided out of the kindness of their heart to let them play through. And on the way through, the one of the ladies goes. Oh, don't worry, guys. There's no one behind us, so you should be right for the next. Uh, you should be right for the for the time being. Yeah, and then we had a guy visit us on the second to last <laughs> hole, saying, "Hurry up! You halt. There's a queue behind you." <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure. I think much much like the podcast, maybe it's 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 either a sign that we should stop. Hmm. Or that we should do it more and get that yeah, practice I think up. Do we do? Do it more. Yeah. No. Once a fortnight, man. It's more than enough. Uh, look, I think the people need to speak. <laughs> you can do a poll. John, we- John, the homeless guy from the first episode. <laughs> he needs to. He needs to write in and request we do this more often. Um, I do. I do think we need to um, 
because, you know, I think we need to put a little bit shorter things together. Like, like that video of you shaking your ass, we never, we n- I never stuck that up. Oh. You know, I was, you know. That, um, needs, that needs to, to yeah. come out because that's the best I've ever danced. Uh, and, and, in your lounge room in front of your and air con and washing. I told my my sister uh, and uh, and my daughter Lavinia as well um, how to do it. You know, you write your name with your bum. Yeah. Uh, pretend that your bum is like a pen, and you write your name with your bum, and it you looks like you're dancing really cool. Yeah. And uh, my sister and my daughter tried it, and it looked fantastic. fantastic. I, so I, I'm gonna I'll stick those two videos together, and um, we'll um, I will I'll stick it up there this week. I went home after that, and I found a trick that makes it even better. Really? If you actually get a pen. And clench it in your ass cheeks <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> Bit of butcher's paper up on the yeah, wall. Yeah, make sure you, like, your footing is stable because you don't want to fall on the pen. Have you got it? Did you, did you save? Did you actually do it? No. No. No, I just thought that'd be funny. You should, you should, you should do it, man. And uh, then we'll you get can... an easel. <laughs> we'll have a competition as to who, who, who has the best ass writing. <laughs> Oh, your writing looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just had McDonald's and visited my girlfriend's children. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, um, uh, yeah, man. Um, should we wrap it up? I I think that's a good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point to, oh, to good, end good on. point to end it on. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll remember to, to post that video this week. Yep. And, um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll discuss about doing this more regularly. Yep. And, um, and, and thanks again to, to Dome Cannington for not kicking us out of their establishment um, after we, we harassed some waitresses. 